Welcome and thanks for joining us on this Friday morning. We're talking education and some of the challenges that we are seeing firsthand unfold in front of our eyes in the province of Saskatchewan. The teachers have announced another one-day strike is happening on Monday. We're discussing everything from education funding to classroom complexity to how our students are doing in school. Those PISA tests this week showed that when it comes to things like standard things like math and reading, we're actually lagging behind much of the rest of Canada. It's a complicated problem, and it's not easy when you're trying to figure out the solutions. I've got a guest now who's got a very, I would say, front row seat and uh, good perspective on the challenges that our education system is facing. Kathleen Jerns joins me now. Kathleen was a school teacher for many years and then decided, you know what, given all of the challenges that are going on, I'm going to step away from this. Kathleen, thanks for taking our call this morning. You're welcome. So you you were a school teacher for 12 years, am I right? Yeah, I started in 2011 and then I resigned in June of 2023. Why step away from teaching? Well, it's a really, really hard decision because everybody who knows me knows that I love teaching. It's my passion. Um, but it's just that, oh, where do I even begin? There's there's so many issues happening in the school system. And honestly, when I started in 2011, you know, if I had a student with intensive needs, I would, I would have an EA for that child. If I had students who weren't speaking English, I would have EAL support. Um, if I had a child who needed to seek mental health support, there would be a counselor available. But as the years progressed and there was less and less money being put into education and more and more money being taken away, those supports were eventually stripped away. So I I couldn't keep up with the demands of my classroom and I tried so, so hard. I put my heart and soul into everything. But, you know, the complexity of the classroom, it's just, it's not a sustainable job. And my mental health was really tanking. And I know that pretty much every single teacher that I've spoken to or know is really, really struggling with their mental health as well, because there's no resources, there's no support. These children are suffering and to see them struggle day in and day out is, is exhausting and it's heartbreaking. Kathleen Germs, my guest this morning, now a private literacy consultant. And we'll talk a little bit about the work you're doing now, Kathleen, in a second. But how, how much of a trend do you think this is in teaching with people that are, they go through the, the training, they get their degree, in some cases multiple degrees, to become a teacher, and then look at the state of education now and step away? Is this pretty common? Yeah, and I think more and more people are stepping away. I honestly, pretty much every teacher I know is actively looking for another job at all times because we're not teaching anymore. We're uh, managing behavior. We're acting as educational assistants for intensive needs students because there are no supports. There's no EAs anymore. Like, I mean, unless a child's really, really violent, there will be no funding for an EA. Um, It's just... Oh, it's such an overwhelming job. Like there's, you know, I was talking to some of my clients that I work with right now and their parents, and it's just like these children even who are struggling with reading or struggling with math, there's no support anymore. There's nothing. Everything has been cut. And it's just like, I don't think people understand what's truly happening in these classrooms. Teachers can't keep up with it. We're more and more is being placed on us, but they're taking away more and more support. So these recent PISA scores where math and reading uh, measurements of our students in Saskatchewan lagging behind the rest of Canada, that didn't come as a surprise to you? No, because we ha- we don't have the, the funding to provide students with these supports. Like, 
I'll have students who I know are dyslexic or who have some sort of learning disability, but there are not enough resource teachers to pull those kids to work with them. They're, so they just have to stay in the classroom, but then, you know, the classroom teacher is dealing with everything else and there's no time to work with the kid one-on-one anymore. So how are we supposed to help these kids catch up when there is literally no support, it's a completely impossible task to do. So teachers are trying, and I want people to know that this blame is not on the teachers. It's the lack of support and the lack of resources. Kathleen Germs, my guest this morning. So I'm going to make a, a broad statement. In 1985, mm-hmm. I was uh, in just entering high school. I'm going to say that class complaint, and I know, by the way, <laughs> You're much younger than me, so I'm not asking you to speculate back on 85. But class complexity was not the issue then that it is today. Why is it an issue today? Well, I was just looking at some statistics. So one example is that intensive needs students have increased by 38%. Um, We have our integrating, you know, we have more inclusion and more diversity, which is so necessary. It's needed. But when we are bringing in children who don't speak any English, they deserve to have supports to help them learn English. Um, if we're bringing in students with intensive needs who are nonverbal or, you know, struggle to regulate, they deserve to have the support um, to help them succeed. So there's, you know, children who aren't speaking English. There are children with uh, high intensive needs. There's, um, if any children are struggling with reading or math, there's no support and classroom sizes are getting way bigger. So I just keep coming back to repeating myself that there is no support. And I know that the government was saying, well, it's up to the school divisions to deal with classroom complexity. But how, like, you know, I had a student diagnosed with intensive needs, but we had no funding for an EA. How how am I supposed to deal with that as hmm. a teacher? How is the school division supposed to deal with that when we have no money to give these kids the support. So we are, our hands are tied. We can't do anything about the complexity in classrooms. We had uh, a couple of speech-language pathologists join my show earlier this week, both retired, uh, spent better, better part of 40 years doing work in the schools. And, boy, I thought they gave us uh, some great insight into some of the challenges. One of the things that they said is oral communication is foundational as a skill. There needs to be... In, in their mind, they think the teachers in the schools are doing a great job of teaching children how to read, but there needs to be more focus on oral communication and understanding what they're reading. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that there's a lot that we need to be doing. There's a lot that we need to be doing different when it comes to reading, but one thing that I want to point out is that in university, teachers are not taught how to teach reading. We're not taught how to teach reading properly, and there's very little instruction that goes into teaching us how to teach reading. So I feel like, yeah, we need to revamp our program, which is we'll get into, like, what I've started and what I've created and what I'm doing now. But there are a lot of things that we need to be doing differently when it comes to reading. But when we're not given the resources to do that, how are we supposed to do that when we're using our own paycheck monthly to buy resources online and find things and buy all these things for the classroom, like, it's not sustainable. We can't keep using our family paycheck to buy things for the classroom just so that kids have the proper supports for reading. 
Kathleen Germs is my guest this morning. And you bring up, you know, it's, it's, I've said this this morning a couple of times, the tentacles that come from this topic about education and complexities and how we're going to deal with it. it. Funding, testing in classrooms, classroom complexity. Of course, the teachers trying to bargain a collective agreement right now. And you've just brought up a point that's come up a couple of times through callers and people that are weighing in on this is how we're teaching our teachers. You talked about it from, you know, the standpoint of a, I would, I would call you a liter, a literacy expert, someone who understands literacy, understands how it should be taught, how reading should be taught. Generally speaking, are we doing a good job of teaching our teachers? No, no, we're not prepared at all. I feel like I went into the classroom being like, I have no clue what I'm doing. The other thing is because funding's being cut, there's no PD for teachers anymore. So how are teachers supposed to be keep up with education and with the new research and all the evidence-based research when we are not given any time or funding for PPE. So you're doing private literacy work now. You're a consultant. Uh, It's called Soaring Readers Literacy Consultant. People can find you online. How is what you're doing now, Kathleen, different than what you did in the school? What What's different about it? Well, now I'm able to pull small groups and work with kids one-on-one. So kids who are continually being passed on from grade to grade and being left behind because there is no support for them, I'm able to take those kids and I'm able to catch them up to where they're supposed to be. Um, The other thing is what I want to mention is that we for so long and all of North America were following a balanced literacy approach where we believe that learning to read is natural and kids should memorize words and they should use the picture to guess words. That is not evidence-based. That is actually teaching kids to read as though they are dyslexic. So what I do is I follow a structured literacy program based on evidence, and it helps 95% of students learn to read accurately. Every child deserves a chance to read. Every child can learn to read. But we need to be using a structured literacy approach that is explicit and systematic, not letting kids just try to figure it out on their own or guess or memorize. That's not how reading works. So Kathleen, here's here's part of the challenge that I see. I've I've been able to go online, see some of your videos, your Instagram page. I think you do incredible work. The challenge is not everybody can afford a private literacy consultant. So what's the fix? How do we get this back on track? Well, the funding. The government needs to start funding properly so that classroom sizes are smaller. If classroom sizes are smaller, then teachers can pull small groups. If there's support for a student who's screaming all day and the teacher doesn't have to con that child all day, then that leaves time for the teacher to actually teach the class and to teach reading. Um, If there's more funding, teachers will be able to access PD, and they will be given resources. Teachers will be less burnt out. They will have more time to learn more about how to teach reading. And the other thing is, and it's very sad, and I wish I could help every single child because it is expensive to do private tutoring, but I'm hoping to do some sort of fundraiser in the future so that I can help families that don't have access to that otherwise. But I think the biggest thing is more funding. Um, The government needs to listen to teachers, and we need to help the children. They don't have a voice right now, and that's why I keep doing interviews and speaking up for them because they matter, and they are our future. Kathleen Germs, the uh, owner and consultant running Soaring Readers Literacy. Before I let you go, where can people find you if they want to connect uh, outside of our conversation here? Um, Just my Instagram, Kathleen Germs, or my website, uh, soaringreaders.com. Thanks so much for the time this morning. We appreciate it. Best of luck, Kathleen. Yes, thank you, Evan. Kathleen Germs, the uh, consultant with Soaring Readers Literacy, 12 years as a school teacher, and said, 
I can't do it. The problems, the challenges, the the lacks of lack of supports are too overwhelming. But but still see this, the need for this literacy work for young readers, and so has struck into a, a private business to do it. She's not the only one. I mean, whether their teachers are going to a private business or not, we are seeing people exit the teaching profession. And Kathleen just talked about the fact, in her opinion, and I've heard it from others, and I've heard the question posed from from people that are communicating back and forth through this topic, are we setting teachers up for success? Are we teaching teachers how to teach in the classroom in a contemporary 2024 complex classroom? Or are we still teaching them the way they were teaching back in the 80s, as I referred to it earlier? one 332 8255 got a little time left before the top of the hour in bugs and hugs, so phone lines continue to be open. We'll be more back right away with your thoughts right here on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Well, I want to get to some more callers before we're uh, up on time here, and we're talking about education, the teacher situation. I'm so happy that Sabrina called in from Saskatoon. Sabrina's a university education student right now. Is this daunting for you to hear all of this talk, Sabrina, about education? 100%. Like, I feel kind of discouraged about going into education. I'm a third-year student through the U of R, actually, um, and I just have like a few thoughts on you kind of mentioned about um, the how we're preparing teachers and right. we're not actually teaching teachers to teach. Your thoughts on that? Oh, a hundred percent. Like I am taking classes. So last semester I took teaching math, and the focus of the class, I kid you not, is social justice, all of it. So I didn't learn anything of how to teach math to students. Right. I learned about everything else surrounding math. So. You know, for example, we can't use an airplane in an, in an example because, well, half your kids may never have been on a plane, so we wouldn't want to offend anyone or make anyone feel triggered. Right. So it's the same thing with food, right? We can't use food examples because, well, some students may have food security issues, so you don't want to make anyone feel triggered. I left this class not feeling like I learned anything about teaching math. Sabrina, I I, uh, I commend you. I'm appreciative of you. Thank you for being willing to be a teacher. I hope you're not deterred by this. And and I'm I'm confident. I have faith in our province that we're going to be able to right this ship. We've got a lot of people weighing in on it. And uh, so thank you very much for calling in. And, and thanks for uh, best of luck. I look forward to you graduating and then continuing to contribute to this show by calling in. All right, I want to get to a couple more calls. Rob in Regina, what's your thought? You're looking at the Fraser Institute tables, right? Yes, I am. And um, up between 2012 and 2017, Saskatchewan ranked first in per student spending. Then they dropped the fifth in 2018, 2019, and the last year on the report is 2019, 2020, and they're sixth. So we're right in the middle. Manitoba has been the second most, and they have some of the worst results, so it's not a case of money. Uh, just some other things on, on the Fraser Institute. So operational spending per student, figure four, Saskatchewan second. Table six, adjusted spending on schools, Saskatchewan second. Figure five, actual money on schools were fifth. Table eight, spending increase on pensions, Saskatchewan ranked second. So do you think, Rob, it's that we're spending money, but we're spending it on the wrong things? Is that what you think? We are spending it on the wrong things. And with reference to uh, the last caller, I give her credit because the issue, I think, is that we have changed from teaching 
core education skills to teaching social justice. And that's not what the public or private school system is for. You know, like it's like, I know everything is divide and conquer these days on everything. And until the, both the opposition and the government sit down and say, we were elected to run this province for the benefit of all people, we are not in a very good place. <laughs> Thanks for catching yourself there, Rob. I know where you were going, and I think that's a good way to, to stop this conversation for now. We're going into bugs and hugs. We might talk more teachers yet, but we need to come together as a province. We need to stop the division, come together, and for the sake of our children, for the sake of the future of our province, we need to fix this issue. Bugs and hugs coming up next on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.